Thank you for listening to Hashtag Houston HealthCast, a podcast powered by Houston HealthCare as part of our Hashtag Houston Healthy initiative. On Hashtag Houston HealthCast, my guests and I endeavor to provide the people of Houston County, Georgia, and beyond healthcare advice, news, tips, and updates so they can lead a more Hashtag Houston Healthy lifestyle. In recognition of American Heart Month, today's topic is cardiovascular health, more specifically the leading cause of death in both the United States and the world, cardiovascular disease. We'll talk about the different kinds of cardiovascular disease, what kinds of symptoms these uh, diseases present, uh, what treatment options there are for these diseases, and how you can be proactive in your heart health to avoid cardiovascular disease altogether. With me today is Dr. Rahil Kazi, a member of our Houston Hospitals Board of Trustees and a cardiologist with us here at Houston Healthcare. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. Uh, before we get too far into the topic at hand, I'd like to give our listeners a more in-depth introduction to our guests. Uh, so I'd like to ask you a few questions about you, Dr. Kazi. Uh, how long have you been a physician? For most of my life. I graduated <laughs> in 1985, and I've been a physician since then. Since 1985. Um, so how long have you been uh, working in the Houston County area? About 27 years. About 27 years. Um, why cardiology? Love cardiology. Uh, I think I can make a difference in people's life. Uh, when I was in medical school, people died from heart disease. People had heart attacks, and the heart failure lived longer than a few months. Over time, we've come up with treatments, approaches, things where I can tell people we can cut down risk of heart attacks and heart disease significantly. We can make a difference. People with heart attacks, they could go home the next day. So there's a lot we can do for people which makes it so exciting. Mm -hmm. And then again, uh, you can make a big difference in people's lives, uh, their activities, their lifestyles. Uh, so that makes it so exciting to be in cardiology at this time. Sure. So, so it's a great place to make a big impact. You can, yeah. yeah. Um, so can you think of a specific example, maybe a moment in your life or a role model that inspired your profession? Well, uh, it's, it all depends on, uh, right from day one, it was easier for me to comprehend and understand uh, basic cardiology, physiology, and anatomy. Okay. So it was more for, sort of natural for me. It was, I had to make less effort to uh, do and think in cardiology okay. type of matters. Then a lot of matters also is who are your mentors in medical school. Mm -hmm. So I was lucky to have excellent uh, teachers while in medical school and then in training uh, that sort of inspired me to be in cardiology. All right. So you had great teachers that fostered a natural talent. Yep. Makes sense. Uh, so tell me about a day in the life of a cardiologist. What does a typical day full of patients look like for you? It's exciting, fun, <laughs> <laughs> challenging. You see everything from great to worse. So typically we get wake up in the morning, get ready. We're really excited to have an interesting day. Uh, my days typically I start with uh, office practice, which is I get to see people. And I've been practicing for so long where I'm seeing grandchildren of my original patients. That's got to so be great. So that's very exciting. So before they tell me anything, I know more about them than they know themselves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, once I'm done with them in the afternoon, then I go to hospital, do procedures, mm -hmm. uh, which include cardiac cats, peripherals. And uh, I see patients in the hospital. Once we're done with that, then catch up on all this testing readings we've done. and 
then get to go home. Uh, somewhere in between, I have incorporated in my schedule uh, hour of exercise, which is the only way I remember to do it. If I don't have it <laughs> on schedule, then sure. it doesn't happen. So it's in my schedule, so I'll get a workout done for an hour or so before I get home. Uh, then once get home, spend some time with the family, and then after that, uh, back to work, catch up on whatever is left during the daytime. Then basically, I'm available for all my patients 24-7. So if I have any calls, any issues, answer the phones. And the two of us, we cross-cover each other. So I'm on call almost every other day. Makes sense. And I hope you guys were paying attention to the part where he said he made sure that there was an hour of his day. And this is a very busy man. He made sure there was an hour of his day to exercise. We talk a lot about exercise, and we'll probably talk about more on this podcast. Um, just, you know, think that's a good note to make, that that even even someone as busy as him who's on his feet all day long still makes time to do a little exercise. So, um Without further delay, let's get started on the topic at hand. Cardiovascular disease is one of the biggest and definitely one of the most deadly health concerns facing us today. Per the CDC, about 695,000 people in the United States died from heart disease in 2021, and that's one in every five deaths that year. Um, with those numbers in mind, as we move forward with the conversation, Dr. Kazi, uh, let's start off with the basics. What are the common types of heart diseases you see on a regular basis? And uh, how do they differ from each other? What are some of the risk factors for them? You know, a little bit of an outline. So common that we see in, at least in the U.S., is ischemic heart disease. Uh, ischemic heart disease is someone having a heart attack, someone who's had chest pains, uh, people who have blocked arteries and things like that. Then we see a lot of people who have significant risk factors like diabetes, high blood pressure, uh, obesity, and um, issues with uh, hypertension, high cholesterol, and all that can result into diabetic uh, diabetes, and all that can result into cardiovascular issues. Uh, that's quite common. Then uh, we treat a lot of people with hypertension. Uh, we treat people with uh, heart failure. Uh, we have uh, people with electrical issues. So the way I describe heart is it has uh, plumbing issues, which is the blockages. It has electrical system, which is the electrical system, which causes arrhythmias, irregular heartbeats, palpitations. Then it has a pumping action, which is a heart pump. So we treat all three. Okay, makes sense. Um, so when you talk about treatments for these different things, what you know, what kind of a treatment plan do you go through with someone? Uh, depending on their different uh, state of heart disease. So it depends on uh, what you're treating. So, and then again, at what stage of their disease I'm seeing them. If mm -hmm. I see someone who's already had a heart attack, uh, with damage to the heart muscle, they probably have heart failure, so we treat heart failure. If I see someone uh, who hasn't had any heart disease, has multiple heart disease risk factors, so we see them early at that stage, and our goal is to prevent uh, or delay the process of heart disease. If they have irregular heart rhythms and all that, so that's a totally different way of treating them. So based on what stage I get them, uh, and then you treat the problem, you get to know their heart well, then you get into uh, prevention. So you go into private prevention in people who have not had heart disease, who are at risk of having heart disease, or you can treat people with secondary prevention who've already had an event and the goal is to prevent further events for them. Sure. So, you know, 
on average, how many people do you see with preventable heart disease states? And how many people would you say it's more genetic or more uh, something that they were predisposed to? The people I see, most of them have already had an event. Okay. Uh, but I do uh, emphasize, and one of my main specialties is preventive cardiology. Mm-hmm. So I see quite a bit of people who have non-events, haven't had any events, have multiple risk factors. They come to see me to help them with prevention of the disease. So I would say about uh, 10 to 15% of people I see they have. They're there for primary prevention, but majority of them already have had events. Ah, makes sense. Um, so, you know, how much of a role does surgery play in the, the work that you do in cardiology? So surgery could be open heart surgery, which we used to do a lot of those before, which has gone down significantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, second or two, we can do most of the work without cutting someone open. We can go in with a small needle, put a small tube in the heart, and uh, do the balloons, put stents, uh, which previously were treated with uh, open heart surgery. Our medical management has become really good for a lot of people, which we were doing open hearts and putting stents in. We can treat them medically. Okay. And then our preventive part is really good. We can start treatment early and prevent a person from going through any surgeries. Okay. That's awesome. Um, So you kind of talked a little bit about advances that have been made in the field of cardiology a little bit to avoid, you know, major surgeries and things like that. Are there any other types of uh, technological advances that you're kind of excited about in cardiology, maybe recent ones that have made your job a little bit easier? There are a lot. I mean, I could spend the whole day talking about it uh, and uh, motivation to be in cardiology for the next 100 years if I can. Uh, 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 see a lot in future. Mm-hmm. So currently, for most of the blocked arteries, we can work with the treatments with medications. Uh, for stable disease, we can uh, put stents for uh, more complex issues and then... Uh, for really, really complex stuff, we can send them for open-heart surgery, which has gone down significantly because we can do most of the stuff without opening the chest. For structural heart disease, uh, the valves, previously we changed the valves by cutting the chest open. Mm-hmm. Um, at least the aortic valve is being done by uh, going with a small tube from the groin and putting a valve without cutting the chest open. They can go home within a day and back to normal life. The other valves, mitral and tricuspid valves, are... The process is being done, so hopefully very soon we'll be able to uh, get most of the wells done uh, without cutting chest open. Previously, people who had holes in the heart and uh, things like that, we were we had to go in, cut the chest open, repair it. Now we can just repair it without cutting the chest open, going in from the groin. So that endovascular work has really made a big difference. Mm-hmm. Same goes for the vascular work. Previously, we had to open the arteries, put patches, put the grafts. Now we can just go in with a tube and shave off the plaque buildup in there, put stains, do balloons, angioplasties. So even for the legs and any vascular uh, trees we have in the body, we can treat them endovascularly. Mm-hmm. Going forward, our medical management has become really exciting. Uh, we can uh, treat essentially everything. I mean, heart failure, people who died in three months, now. Uh, living for 10 years, 20 years. I have patients with me who saw me in, in 97. They're still alive, doing fine mm-hmm. with heart failures, functions of 20% or less. Wow. Uh, the medical management is really good. Uh, preventive care is excellent. 
previously uh, for cholesterol, 200 was normal, then 150, then 100. Now we can drop the cholesterol down to whatever number you give me, I can do it. Mm -hmm. uh, there have been data there to prove that uh, dropping the cholesterol helps. We have tools to take care of it. Uh, for the first time in U.S., we have seen decrease in the incidence of heart attacks. Wow. Uh, just because we have excellent tools, we have done well with the preventive care. The exciting part coming along is uh, we have, in the process of developing hearts, artificial hearts, mm. uh, we have uh, done first few implants where they have taken uh, pig hearts, mm -hmm. uh, modified those, and implanted in human beings. If that wow. becomes uh, very promising as we go forward. And the way I look at it is in the next 20 years, we should be able to develop human hearts by our own tissues. Mm. And our treatments are getting so good. We'll be very precise treatments. And even to the point, I start jokingly tell people, you'll have a choice of dying, mm -hmm. uh, when, <laughs> but you've lived for the next 20, 30 years till we have that technology. Right. Right. And and to your point, you know, we have we have fantastic technologies, but it doesn't do anybody any good if they don't come see you first. So um, if you have someone that's listening right now that might be experiencing some symptoms that they should be worried about that maybe you've you know mentioned with with heart disease, what would you tell them to do? Depends on the symptoms. If they're acute symptoms, mm -hmm. don't waste time. Uh, acute, I mean, is if you're actually having chest pain, come to the hospital. Previously, we'd tell people, okay, don't do anything, take some pills, and uh, if it's worse, come to the hospital. At this point, I would say don't waste your time if you're having a heart attack. Every second, every minute counts. Every minute that we lost in uh, waiting to come to the hospital, you lose muscle. Uh, we have excellent system in our ovens, in essentially most of the hospitals in the U.S. If you're having a heart attack, you show up in the hospital within 30 minutes. You take the cath lab, we can open up the arteries, and you can go home without having any damage to the heart muscle. That's great. Um, so we've talked about the different kinds of diseases, um, different uh, treatments, what you can do when you, you know, have someone that comes into your office with these problems. Um, let's talk about proactive steps that our listeners can take in their health and lifestyle to maybe mitigate the chances of these issue, issues happening to them at all. So what would be some suggested uh, steps or, or lifestyle changes that your, um, that your listeners could make? So it's good to uh, get yourself checked early in your life. Mm -hmm. And early is any time, 20 years, 18 years, any time mm -hmm. is uh, early enough because 90% of people in U.S., by the time they turn 30, they already have some plaque buildup in their arteries. Mm. So it's never too early to start. Okay. As soon as someone has strong family history of heart disease, I would encourage the children, the siblings, to seek medical attention early on so we can work on preventing heart disease, or if not, at least delaying the progression of the disease. And we have tools now to make that happen. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll give you a typical example. If someone has a strong family history of heart disease, high cholesterol, uh, it's no point to wait till you have a heart attack. You can just get just checked at 18 years old, at earlier, later, mm -hmm. and we can modify the lifestyles, uh, add exercise, uh, work on the nutrition, which is important role to play uh, and uh, we have medications if uh, just the lifestyle doesn't work 
we can drop the numbers to a reasonable number on cholesterol and blood pressure and diabetes, control all those, and we can delay the progression of disease, and we can even get to the point where we can prevent someone from having any significant heart disease. Makes sense. So really, the answer to that question is get get checked out with a cardiologist, get checked out with your primary care physician, and you know see if there are any risk factors involved with heart disease that you need to be aware of as soon as possible so you can start being proactive about them. Makes sense. Um, so I'd like to go ahead and thank you again, Dr. Kazi, for sharing this conversation with me today on such a very important topic. And uh, thank you to our listeners for sticking with us to the end. I hope you found this conversation as interesting and as informative as I did. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about cardiovascular disease or are concerned you might be experiencing issues similar to what we discussed here Take Dr. Kazi's advice and don't waste any time, um, but there will be resources available to you in the description below otherwise. Um, please be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We post these here before anywhere else, and be sure to hit that notification bell so you never miss an episode. We have some exciting episodes coming out soon, including a discussion on our emergency medical services department with Kara Siebert, so be sure to tune in for that. If you prefer your podcast on another podcasting app, we have options for you. The links for our active channels will be in the description below. Uh, Dr. Kazi, do you have any parting words to share for our listeners? Uh, yeah, uh, it's never too early to start prevention. Uh, just simple things, just walking 2,200 steps a day by itself reduces your risk of having events. Mm -hmm. You can optimize that to walking about 8,800 steps. Eating healthy, Mediterranean diet by itself reduces the risk of heart attack. Consumption of olive oil reduces the risk of events, cardiovascular events, almost 30%. Uh, treating obesity decrease events almost to 50% or more. Uh, diabetes, prevention of that, or treatment of diabetes and having sugar control does reduce events. Uh, sleep hygiene is very important. Uh, exercise, nutrition, not taking stress by itself makes a big difference. And if everyone walks, eats right, doesn't take stress, I will not have a job. <laughs> well, we don't want to put you out of a job, but, um, you know, it would be great to at least make your j job a little bit less busy. Um, so I want to go ahead and thank you again for the parting words and thank our listeners. And remember to stay hashtag housed and healthy. Mm -hmm.